You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So high right now. Anything's possible. I'm my mama. I'm my baby, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy Jays back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Woo. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's is the best way. Melly. Welcome back. This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast. I want to thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. We're here for you Monday through Friday. And on this Thursday show, I, John Corrales of MassLive.com, am talking about a 107-93 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. The Celtics open up their season uh, in a tough, tough way. Losing to the Sixers, and it's not just that they lost to the Sixers, okay? We, we thought that that was a, a real possibility. It's how they lost. It's that they just shot so poorly that so many things went wrong, and it's just really disappointing. And it's not something we should overreact to. Obviously, it's the first game of the season. It's game one of 82, and if you were watching – the YouTube live that I and Tom Westerholm did uh, on the Mass Live YouTube page, we talked about that. That this is one of 82 games. That it's not the first game of a seven game series. There's not a, a ton that you can overreact to. But at the same time, this particular game, the way it went after such a just disgustingly sweet, positive, preseason to have this type of performance it's just kind of like oh okay in a piece that I'm writing for the morning on uh, masslive.com my 10 things that we learned I compare it to a gender reveal gone wrong you ever see those gender reveal videos on YouTube that go wrong like I saw one where uh, a guy was trying to hit a baseball and it had like whatever color, blue or pink, in there. And his wife kept throwing him the ball and he just kept swinging and missing. And I saw one where a, a balloon, they're trying to cr- uh, break a balloon, and they kept hitting it and it wouldn't break, and the balloon ultimately flew away. That's kind of like this game to me. Everybody gathered around. Everybody's excited. It's this big positive thing. It, Everybody's just happy. It's this big, joyous occasion, and it just, dud, sucked. The game sucked. So in this segment, this first segment, I'm going to talk about everything that kind of went wrong. In the second segment, I'll talk about some positive things because there were positive things, some things that went right, things that you can build on, and then we'll wrap up the show. So what went wrong? Well, aside from the fact that no one could hit a shot outside of Gordon Hayward uh, or Ennis Cantor, really. Jalen Brown doesn't count, but because he just 
he got into such foul trouble that hitting three of six is nice, but like I'm not going to count that as being able to hit shots because I'm taking away the credit that he should have gotten because he had so many fouls. Like the dude had four fouls in the first half. Hayward, and he'll be in the positive section because he shot eight of fifteen. Like he had a he had a generally good game. Uh, 25 points, five rebounds, a couple of assists, nine of 11 from the line. That's kind of what you need from Gordon Hayward. But everybody else, Tatum. Tatum, I thought, took decent shots, although his first shot, the first shot of the entire season was the exact shot that Tatum said he wasn't going to take anymore, a mid-range jumper. Uh, He struggled from the field. He did hit four of eight from three, but he struggled around the rim, and that's something that I've talked about here on the show. I don't mind the shots that he took for the most part. Uh, obviously, every player is going to take one or two shots a game that you're like, eh, really? But I'm not really upset at Jason Tatum and his shot selection. Four of eight from three is, is perfect. That's great. I mean, that's, a, that's the kind of game where you can do a uh, 36% shooting uh, eight for 22 from the field, but yet somehow you say, well, how did he, how did he shoot 36% and, and still score 21 points? Well, because he hit four, three pointers and was 50% from three. Like that's, that's how you struggle, but still have an impact. But Tatum struggled. Um, like I said, Brown, the, the fouls, he talked about it after the game. Uh, he he said uh, some of them were ticky tack for sure, but it's it's early in the season. Like it, at the beginning of the season, all those points of emphasis, all of that stuff's going to get called. Like this is the time of year where all the little ticky tack fouls are going to get called, and then eventually, as the season progresses, you have the refs kind of loosen up a little bit. That happens every year. We talk about points of emphasis. Every year, and the the season begins, and people lose their minds. One year it was uh, technical fouls and respect for the game. In the beginning of the season, or the preseason especially, there were like a million technical fouls, and everybody's like, "This you can't, this can't happen all season long." And it started the in the beginning of the season. And there were a ton of techs, and they just kind of slowly kind of went away. So yeah, the touch files, that stuff, that that stuff is going to slowly go away. But basically, Jalen Brown has to understand that this is how they're calling things, and you gotta, you just gotta be prepared and adjust to how the refs are calling things. And he got into foul trouble. You can blame Brad Stevens for leaving him in there to get those files. Brad tends to not. Get uh, not to overreact. I mean, Gordon Hayward had a couple of early fouls, and he and Brad let Gordon stay in. Gordon only had four the, for the whole game, so when we got two the rest of the way, Gordon Hayward adjusted and he had a good game because of it. And part of why the Celtics struggled in this game is because Jalen Brown couldn't stay on the floor. I mean, they just committed to a hundred and. $3 million or so, 105, 100, whatever the number is, guaranteed to Jalen Brown because he's an important part of this this team. And for for him in that first game to come out and, and have this kind of performance, they, they're 
they're counting on him. They're, they have committed to him. And for him to not be on the floor, that's a, it's a big problem because what that does is it forces 10 minutes of Shemi Ojale, who obviously I've been a proponent of Shemi Ojale, but he didn't really have much of an impact. And it's not the guy you want to turn to right away in game one. So I think the Jalen Brown foul trouble, you probably look back in the film and say, well, that this foul or that foul, it, it wasn't, you know, he, he shouldn't have had this foul. Okay, fine. But he did, and he put him, himself in a position to, to draw fouls. And he said it after the game that he, he has to be better about it. He has to find a way to stay on the floor. They, were, they need Jalen Brown to play 30-plus minutes a game. Gordon Hayward played 35. Jason Tatum played 37. Uh, Kemba Walker, 34. Marcus Smart, 33. They need Jalen to be in that same range. Speaking of Kemba Walker, whew, boy, Kemba struggled. Uh, four of 18 from the field, one of six from three. Uh, three of four from the line, just a a rough a rough game. Like It's just a rough start to the game. Uh, Kemba said after the game that he felt like he, he got the shots that he wanted. He didn't feel like he was pressing, uh, but he still missed and look, sometimes you're just going to miss. And there were shots that he took that he certainly should make. He was also defended. Well, there was a critical third quarter stretch where I, I remember at one point he drove and he thought he got past Matisse Thibel. He had baited Thibel into a, a foul earlier in the game and thought maybe that would, I think maybe would have gotten, Thibel to back off, and he didn't. And Thibel defended him well, blocked a shot. He got a shot blocked a couple times. And Kemba is a you know, smaller guard, so size is going to be a problem for him. He's going to struggle against bigger teams. That just, I think, is going to how be how it goes. Uh, the Philly defense was really, really damn good, and that's their calling card. That's going to be how they live up to the expectations of being a top one or two seed and a potential Eastern Conference Finals or NBA Finals team. I and mean, that's that's why people are picking them exactly what you saw in this game, their ability to defend and to use their length to, to their defensive advantage. So Kemba struggled, willing to kind of chalk that up because it's the first game and maybe it was a little... You know, he can say he wasn't pressing, but I'm sure that there was a little bit of excitement there that he uh, was dealing with. Take a break. We come back. We'll talk more about some of the negative things and then positive things because positive things happen when we come back on the Locked On Celtics podcast. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Continuing on the down things, the negative things that happened, uh, I thought the ball movement was non-existent. Well, not non-existent, but not great. And before the game, Brad Stevens said, we, we're going to have to move these guys around. If we're going to score, we're going to have to move these guys around. And I just don't think they move the guys around much. I thought... 
that there was a little too much dribbling, a little too much isolation stuff. Uh, I don't know what it was, if it was excitement or what, but like I think there wasn't enough of that crisp ball movement side to side. I said this before. I said this yesterday on the podcast, and Brad Stevens brought it up and said the same thing. You got to move these guys. You got to get these guys moving around. You got to get Embiid. You got to pull him out. You've got to force rotations. You've got to force these guys to make decisions. They haven't been playing with each other all that long. There's continuity issues. Put them put them in rotation. Find a way to get them in rotation. Uh, I don't think Embiid had a particularly good game. Defensively, he he did okay. But offensively, I think he was he was a a, a bit of a, an issue. But I, I think just overall, um, Embiid was it was just kind of. Uh. I saw him in the locker room getting a pep talk. Like he was sitting in front of his locker and he looked down. He looked dejected. No, everybody looked kind of just happy. It wasn't like uh, popping champagne or anything like that. I'm not gonna make it seem like that. But Embiid just sat there with his head down and somebody was just giving him a pep talk throughout the whole time I was there watching. I I don't know. I don't know what that was. I don't know. I, I can't speak to context beyond what I saw, but what I saw was an Embiid that did not look happy and was being told that he should be like a dominant player, a dominant center. And and he was not dominant in this game. And the Celtics just never really quite took advantage of that. They did a good job in Embiid. Embiid didn't look like he was trying very hard. And instead of forcing him to make decisions and forcing him to uh, make plays, they... I think settled for some jumpers early, which is why I asked Brad Stevens before the game about avoiding the trap of settling for jumpers against big teams because it's so obvious. You got a big team that blocks shots. You don't want to go into the the trees and get blocked at the rim. And I understand that with five, six seconds, seven seconds left on the clock, you are running out of options and you you need to take a shot and there's a mid-range shot right there. I get that. There are opportunities there. There's chances. Uh, that's going to be the shot that you get. But I think the Celtics settled a little bit and got a little bit of afraid. And so the ball movement, I, I, I just didn't, I did not like. Other things that went wrong, free throws. Well, what was up with the free throws? Uh, the Celtics ultimately finished the game shooting. They didn't even get to 60%. They shot 58.8%. It's a weird night from the line. Now, Gordon Hayward went 9 of 11. You're not going to fault that. Really, I'm looking at Ennis Cantor, who is generally a good free throw shooter, but he shot 2 of 7. So he missed 5 free throws alone. But then you got like Tatum was 1 of 3. Brown was one of three. Robert Williams was one of two. Those, I think those four guys kind of accounted for the worst of it because, I mean, yeah, Hayward missed two free throws, but it was nine of 11. Uh, Kemba missed one. Tice missed one. 
They were both three of four. So those were decent nights from the line. But there was a stretch there where everybody was missing and Cantor especially was missing. So they ended up shooting 20 of 34 from the line. That's just, you can't, you can't have that. That's just, you're not going to win games by leaving 14 points out on the court. You know, they, they ended up losing by, uh, what was it? 14. So there you go. That's the actual difference in the game. No one's going to shoot a hundred percent, but you know, the game flow changes if you're making your free throws and the game's not getting away from you. So it's not just if they had made 14 free throws, they'd be tied and the game would have gone into overtime. It's that you make the free throws as they, as they come and that pressure of the game being closer changes decisions that are made on the floor. So the, the free throws are uh, a bit of a problem there for, for the Celtics. And, uh, that can't, that can't remain. And the last thing, uh, I think bad that I want to talk about is, uh, the rookies, Carson Edwards did not look great. Grant Williams came in and was physical and, and only played seven minutes, but he was okay, but also kind of did not do much. Um, so he wasn't a negative, but he also wasn't a positive. So uh, I think as we're looking to Grant to do things, him not doing something is a little bit of a negative. I'm, I'm certainly, certainly not going to hold it against uh, Grant Williams or Carson Edwards that they they didn't perform particularly well in their first ever NBA game. But it is what it is. They they played in their first NBA game, and it's not the best experience in their in their lives. And it's it's you know welcome to the NBA, boys. That's how it goes. Carson Edwards was one of five. He only scored three points, so he hit he hit a three, but it was basically inconsequential. Uh, his first shot from the corner was um, about four feet long. <laughs> it was not great. Uh, he probably was a little too amped up for that game and that's okay that's again welcome to the nba you just calm down and next time you'll be uh, better but in that moment that was not good and uh, they obviously they could have used carson edwards that was they really needed a spark off of the bench especially in the third quarter like that third quarter where things just weren't falling that's kind of where Carson Edwards is supposed to thrive. Like he is supposed to be really good at the uh, the quick spurt. Like that's, but it wasn't there. It wasn't there for game one. Like it's not. It's none of this is a big deal. I, I want to reiterate. Like none of it is a big deal. It sucks because of the anticipation, uh, but not not the worst thing in the world. You lost to one of the better teams in the NBA. It's not preseason anymore. It's not Charlotte. It's not Cleveland in the preseason. Like a lot of the stuff that maybe might've been masked by the fact that they're playing such a horrible preseason slate was exposed. But you know, you learn from this and it, it would have been nice. The Celtics did have a lead. It's, it's important to note that they did have a lead in this game. It, you know, in fact, their biggest lead, they had a, an eight point lead at one point early on. Uh, 
and Philly came back and and took it. It just took the game, and that's that's just how it goes. We're gonna end this show on a high note. So I'll come back. I'll talk about some of the positive things that happened in this game before we move on. So stick around. More locked on Celtics when we come back. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. All right, we're gonna we're gonna be positive here. This is gonna be the the good thing segment. All right, positive things. Gordon Hayward is a positive in this game. Shot eight of fifteen. Uh, amazingly, he didn't take a three. He was aggressive. He got to the free throw line. Eleven free throw attempts from Gordon Hayward is a monster positive. That is a huge thing. And I do not expect him to take 11 free throw attempts but uh, uh, on a regular basis. But his aggressiveness and getting himself to the line, that is so critically important. For the team's success in the regular season, for him to be back, quote-unquote back, Getting to the free throw line a lot is big. And Jason Tatum can look at that and say some of those finishes and why he shot 8 of 22 where he was just trying to be a little fancy. Uh, We talked about this a few weeks ago when talking about Team USA where I liked Tatum's aggressiveness. I liked his aggressiveness here. But I know this is the positive segment, but his finishing at the rim got a little too fancy, a little too shying away from contact. And Gordon Hayward's performance should be kind of an inspiration to Tatum. It's something that he can look at and say, all right, this is this is how I should be playing. That attack, that forcing the issue, get into the bodies of some of these shot blockers Make them defend you, try to, try to defend you without fouling. If you jump into them, if you take the right angle, and a lot of times those guys, they'll jump. If you bump, they'll, their arms will come down. You'll end up drawing the foul more often than not. So it's a kind of a learning experience for Tatum to look at the Hayward, the way Hayward attacked and and try to kind of emulate that a little bit. I thought Tatum got to the right spots on the floor. So Tatum, I don't think was too, I don't think it was too bad. I, I don't think his mid range game was an issue. He took a couple, but mostly I thought he got to places where he could score the finishing around the rim. Like I said, needs to be better. Uh, Ennis Cantor, I thought did a decent job. Now, obviously He had some defensive lapses, for sure. But I think in general, I can look at Ennis Cantor and say, that's that's kind of what we expect. And the Celtics can use that. His his rebounding, obviously, was very good. He had uh, three offensive rebounds. I mean, he can work down low. That's I think that was generally... 
generally positive. Um, as positive as Ennis Cantor can be. I'll leave it at that. I thought Robert Williams came in and gave the Celtics some pretty good minutes. Uh, not all of them were good, but for a guy that missed some some time and was uh, kind of getting himself kind of reacclimated to things, I thought he he was okay. He was okay in stretches. Um, he clearly uh, did a decent job running uh, rim running. Uh, cut a lob from Marcus Smart. Uh, he he did okay and was really the only Celtic who was a positive in the plus minus, which of course led to people busting my balls on Twitter saying that, oh, John wants him to spend the whole year in the G League, but uh, I think I get it. I get it. It's funny. So whatever. It's fine. Um <laughs> uh, the only other positive, and it's not really a positive in the game, but I got a kick out of it, was the Al Horford-Marcus Smart interaction where there are a couple of fouls. Al Horford was not happy about it. Um, and afterwards, Al Horford said, uh, yeah, um, those were fouls. He admitted that those were fouls. But then he also said that, but Marcus does a good job of flopping too. And you know, when I was on when I was on his team, when I was on his side, I I loved it. But now he got me. He got me good. Uh, I thought that was funny. I I just thought that was just a funny kind of thing for Al Horford to just give Marcus Smart that shot uh, and kind of call him a flopper. It's it's funny. I can't wait to see what Marcus Smart has to say about that. Um, that's it. That's all. The positive segment is not a very long segment, and I don't have a ton more to say uh, about the game. Uh, again, frankly, this was uh, just game one of a long season, and I, I really do think it's important to look at it that way uh, because all of us had – anticipation. And we all sat here kind of excited about, yay, basketball is back. Yay. Um, and it's back. That game kind of sucked and it was sloppy and it was kind of sort of basketball, basketball light. But I, it's not the end of the world. Um, it sucks that it was a loss to Philly. It sucks that they couldn't hit a shot. It sucks that they, they fouled so much. It sucks that they missed free throws. But, you know, you play that game again in a month, and the result can be totally different. I thought they did a lot of decent things early on to take a lead. And for a while there, I thought that they were going to be able to carry that through. just didn't work out that way. So... When we, you know, I picked the Celtics to win 49 games. So that's 33 losses. So this is one of 33 losses. And there's probably going to be about 30 more or so of these games. And hopefully for the Celtics sake that they're not as frustrating, but some of them might be because that's just how it goes. They're going to probably win a couple of games that they shouldn't win because that's how it always goes. And this was a game they probably had 
And you look back and be like, oh, they should have won that game. Maybe. But that's just how it goes. So they're on to Toronto. And that's the next game. And we'll be talking about that later on. For now, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Appreciate everybody's constant support and and subscriptions if you're not a subscriber please subscribe if you are a subscriber that five star rating and a good written review is always very much appreciated and very helpful and always as always share the podcast spread the word tell everybody listen to lockdown Celtics podcast here on the lockdown podcast network